We parents have so many questions. Pressing ones, silly ones, ones that keep us up at night, ones that we're afraid to ask because we don't want to look like that parent. But the truth is, none of us really know what we're doing. So where do we turn for answers? Who can we trust to tell us what we need to know? Welcome to The Uninformed Parent. I'm Carrie Mitchell, your podcast host, as we seek out the answers together. Denise and Sasha Ratmund. It's back to school night, and they're trying to find their way around James S. Hogg Elementary, the Dallas public school where Sasha will start kindergarten in a few days. Denise has been to the school once or twice, but this is Sasha's first visit. Okay, here's another sign, Sasha. What does it say? Oh, look. This way. Hogg is located in the Kid Springs neighborhood in the North Oak Cliff area of Dallas. It sits in the shadow of Methodist Hospital, a few blocks from the Bishop Arts District. More and more young professionals have moved into the neighborhoods of North Oak Cliff in recent years, attracted to the historic homes nestled in urban culture. Many of them stick around and start families. Few of them, however, are sending their children to Oak Cliff's public schools. Denise and her husband Peter are an exception. They sought out a Dallas public elementary for Sasha, even though they could afford to send him to private school. Denise is white and Peter is half Korean, making Sasha different than the students at Hogg Elementary, which, like most of the schools in North Oak Cliff, is predominantly Hispanic and low income. According to Dallas School District estimates, more than 200 children who should attend Hogg opt for private or homeschool instead. Denise knows all of this. What she doesn't know is where her son's kindergarten classroom is. Are you Mr. Yes. Oh, Mr. Hi. Sasha. Okay, nice to meet you. Come right in. We're launching the Uninformed Parent with a series on how parents choose a school for their children. We're starting with schools in North Oak Cliff, where the demographics of the neighborhood look different than the neighborhood public schools. The story is similar all over Dallas, a city with pockets of incredible wealth, but 90% of the school district students live in poverty. The Dallas School District is hoping to attract middle and upper class families back to its schools. One such effort is its two-way dual language classrooms, which mix native Spanish and native English speakers together. Hogg launched the program last year, and this year, Sasha is in one of its two dual language kindergarten classrooms. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Bien. Bien, oh, qué bueno. ¿Estás contento? ¿Qué? ¿Feliz hoy? Sí. ¿Sí? ¿Por qué? ¿Quieres venir a la escuela? Sí. ¿Aprender mucho a leer? Sí. ¿Sí? Oh, qué bueno. Estoy contenta. After spending some time with Miss Hernandez, Sasha is ready to explore the pinnacle of every kindergartner school experience the playground. We head outside, the hum of the HVAC, the Methodist Life Flight helicopter, and Sasha's excited yells punctuating our conversation, as Denise tells me more about what led her here. I called the school yesterday just to make sure it was registered and stuff because we're a transfer and um, mm-hmm. 
then they look, confirmed there's only 12 look. kids in the class. And holy crap! That's part of the reason I picked this school. Yeah. Okay. There are 12 kids. That's it. Yeah, that was that was part of the reason I wanted this school. Is it, it's so under capacity, and nobody really knows about it. But yeah, I mean, he has 12 kids in a private school class that I pay 15000 a year for, so. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone else see this? I'm like, am I crazy? <laughs> to give some context to my incredulity, the state of Texas allows up to 22 kindergartners per classroom. So 12 students, which would later become 11, is pretty amazing. But that's not all, Denise tells me. Here I was like, I mean, I, I like the, I like the principal, playground's nice, I mean, whatever, that's a nice park. Um, but they, they had other stuff, like they, that's good for my kid, like they, um, all the teachers are trained in project-based learning, um, which is what they do at the Spanish house, so it's like that curriculum, again, where I'm like, 12 kids, 12 kids, project-based learning, project-based learning, 15,000, zero. <laughs> A couple of weeks later, we sat down with Denise to ask how she went about finding a school for Sasha. Well, we're relatively new to Dallas, so we'd only been, now it's, it'll be almost three years. So when we got here, our son was two and a half. And at that age, we weren't hyper-focused on where he was going to go to school. But, it, you know, you start thinking about those things. And we were renting a place over in Lakewood. But um, in terms of where we felt like we'd fit in the best culturally and so forth, Oak Cliff was a good choice for us. So we got a house over there and we could see uh, almost immediately when we were starting to look at homes and maybe the first spot that parents check for schools is, you know, the great schools website, um, looking at test scores and just that overall kind of rating is maybe a first start. And that was certainly our first start. And we could see that all the schools around us were had low ratings I mean, where we bought our house was very low. It had a, the school had a one at the time. But we didn't really know um, what was behind all those statistics, again, just being new parents and so forth. I think also kind of started with what a lot of people do, which is just talking to other people. And so the thing that we heard is that Lakewood Elementary was really strong. Of course, you know, that we chose to move to Oak Cliff. And then we heard that Rosemont was really popular. They had a really strong dual language program, um, just a long history of excellence and so forth. And so we just figured, okay, fine, no problem. We'll just transfer to Rosemont. Um, and that was just kind of the plan. In terms of public school versus private school, we always planned on sending our kid to private school. I mean, excuse me, to public school. Um, I had gone to public school. My experience was fine. Um, I know some parents talk about not wanting to send their child to public school because their personal experience wasn't so great. Um, but that wasn't the case for me. And my husband went to public school and his experience was fine. Um, and so we just, um, that was always our plan. And then... Um, I kind of got whiff of these dual language programs, um, and I got really excited about that, and I really wanted my son to do that, and that is, you know, and I started having him um, go to the Spanish house and learning Spanish and this sort of thing. And so shortly thereafter, I was starting to be told that it was almost impossible to get into the Rosemont dual language program as a transfer. 
Um, but again, this is all just hearsay and rumors and, the, you know, the rumor mill kind of goes around and you don't know, um, you know, if those things are, are factually accurate or how to even verify them. Nonetheless, that's what we heard. So um, I started looking at alternatives in case he did not get into the Rosemont Dual Language Program. Um, and so that's when I... Um, you know, came across looking at hogs in the Sydney Lanier Elementary. Um, I did end up meeting with the principal at our neighborhood school, which is um, Roger Q. Mills. Um, I, I I kind of looked at everything. I was looking at Brashear and Henderson and just a full blanket. Um, and um, But we had a, an acquaintance that I met through just swim classes that lived in the hog neighborhood, and we started talking more about that. And so that's kind of where that ultimately led. So did you just start reaching out to principals at various schools and saying, hey, can I come talk to you? Is that how you went about it? No. Um, how did I first meet him? I'd heard about him. Um, he had gone to an uh, Oak Cliff um, MLS like, realtors meeting, I think, with some other principals. And so my realtor, who lives in my neighborhood, uh, mentioned it. Um, I think I first actually met him at a kind of an expo that Dallas ISD did last um, December, and I sought him out because I'd heard about him. When I went to that expo, you know, there were like whatever four schools that had the crowds around them, and you couldn't get to anybody. And you know, at Hogs Table and some of these others, it was no problem. There was no line or anything. <laughs> I could just go and talk to him about whatever as long as I needed to. So. That That's was nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> so dual language. Dual language is a really interesting uh, phenomenon. My daughter's in a dual language program too. Um, what about that was so appealing to you? Why do you think, you personally, and then why do you think it's really appealing to parents in general whose children don't speak Spanish? Yeah, I've noticed that um, there's kind of a mixed bag on interest. Some people don't see it as valuable and other people do. And I happen to be somebody that's become completely obsessed with it. Um, but I, um, I grew up um, learning French. I just happened to go to an elementary school that had kind of a, an enrichment type thing in French starting at age nine. And I really appreciated that. And I was able to study abroad in college in um, Paris. And that was a really wonderful experience. To me, I'm raising a global citizen. That's kind of how I thought of it. And being able to speak another language, and maybe he can add another one if he wants to later and so forth, and have the opportunities to be able to live in different parts of the world, be able to relate to different people, um, and also just the way that it changes your um, way of thinking in different languages because the, the grammar and how things are framed are different. I just thought all of that was really important, a wonderful opportunity for him. And also, I feel like our son um, can get a lot of educational experience, enhancement, what have you, just from his parents at home. But that's one thing I can't give to him. I cannot give him the opportunity to be bilingual. And um, so I thought, well, that's something I can definitely get from school for him. You talked a little bit about how you started looking at all these different schools. Um, the schools you talked about, other than Rosemont, are not schools that people, I guess I would say middle or upper class parents that live in homes in the neighborhoods 
send their kids to. They're, they're maybe, as you mentioned, the great schools ratings, which is such an interesting phenomenon, uh, but they're bad schools. So what made you okay with considering these schools when you had seen the online ratings, when you kind of knew that people were shying away from them? What, what changed that for you? I think, you know, there's some um, scholars and reporters out there that are really um, focusing on this on a national scale. And, you know, as I shared before, I think that digging down on the local level like the advocate is doing is really, really important. But just in terms of what was starting to kind of open my eyes to maybe think outside the box on this um, education question was People like I'd mentioned, Nicole Hannah-Jones is a big one, or Alvin Chang at Vox is another one that have been very influential on um, just opening my eyes to get behind the numbers and the data on some of these schools. And so one of the things that I learned early on was that when you see low test scores, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a quote-unquote bad school. It could just mean that the children at the school um, – they may not be um, fluent in English. They may be non-native English speakers. Um, they may not have support at home. They may be struggling with a lot of other things at home that you know maybe my son isn't struggling with. Um, just you know, food, safety, just very basic survival things, and those things really affect how they perform at school. It doesn't mean that they have bad teachers or bad principals or anything like that. So that was kind of a starting place of saying, you know what, um, if I send my son to a school that has bad test scores, it doesn't mean that my son is going to do poorly. And then when I sort of combine that with um, my desire to enroll him in a dual language program, um, especially the longer he'd been at the Spanish house in an immersion environment, I, I thought immersion environment is critical. And one of the things that I also learned in my path was that not all the programs in Dallas ISD are in, um, immersion. Some of them are enrichment. I also found out that Rosemont is enrichment. So, so then once I saw that, I thought, well, that, that's not really what I'm looking for, even though that seems to be what uh, the school that everyone's sort of gravitating towards. So what you found out basically led you to conclude that, oh, actually, these schools that uh, maybe people aren't really looking at might actually be better for at least my kid than, than some, since some of the ones that people are going to, is that accurate? Yeah. I feel like there's always a need to caveat with, you know, every kid is different. Every kid needs something different. Every parent set has a different, um, list of priorities of what they want for their children's educational experience. So, um, it was just, you know, where I'd come to in my priority list, and then also considering, obviously, my husband's priority list. Can't forget him. You know? <laughs> um, he had a slightly different priority list than, and you know, trying to marry those up, it did start to seem like some of these unconventional school choices were better. As you talk to people about this, because certainly you have friends that are or sending their kids to preschool with you or, you know, looking at schools elsewhere, what kinds of reactions did you get from people when you said, when you finally decided, hey, we're going to do this? I think some people that um, like to keep it a little more diplomatic were um, just, would, were interested. 
And then it, it ranged from interested to, um, well, no, some people were a little more like, oh, tell me more about that. I haven't heard about that school. I do want to know. So I would say there were some, there was some genuine interest. And then it ranged all the way to the other side of the spectrum of, I would be terrified to send my child to a public school in Oak Cliff. Wow. What did you, how did you respond to that? Um, I, I think I just said, my son will be fine. Thanks for listening to The Uninformed Parent. We'll be back soon with more from Denise Rapmund and an interview with Hog Principal Hydro Casco. This podcast is a production of Advocate Magazines with music by Hook Sounds.